Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Thank you. It's so amazing to see God use young people like that, isn't it? Um, so grateful for Yvonne and Marissa, Phil, and also grateful for Shalom and Hugo, who play with us every week, and you guys bless me. And I hope that it helps you connect with who Jesus is, because that's what we're trying to do. We, we, in worship, we want people to connect with who he actually is and to worship him in light of that. And uh, it's been good this morning. We had a great outside worship service this morning as well, and uh, it's great to be together. Our vision, as we keep saying over and over again, we want to make sure everyone knows, our vision is to, say it with me, make Jesus known. If we can simply help people to know Jesus, connect with the reality of his presence, we will have achieved our mission. I want people, I want to make Jesus known. And we're in a series this, this uh, first few months of the year called Be the House. From Ezra and Nehemiah, we're talking about the reality that God calls us to be the house. And in Ezra and Nehemiah, they are rebuilding God's house. And he's talking about that God is firmly in control. How many of you are just would like to remember that today? All that's happening, all that's going on maybe in your life, all that's going on in our culture, all that's going on with COVID. Would you just like to sit, man, God, I'm going to trust him with this. You watch the news, you go, man, I think I just need to trust God right now, because if I listen to the news, I need to go on some kind of medication, if you're not already. You don't, you don't really, you don't really. God's in control, and God uses his people to accomplish his purpose. You have a role, you have an important role in carrying out the mission of God. You have a commission, isn't it crazy that he would use people like us, normal, crazy people who live in South Florida, to achieve his mission? Not only that, he's given us his word. Man, so many of you are students of the word. I am encouraged by that, that you know God's word. God uses his word to convict and encourage his people. That's what we're all about here at First Baptist Del Rey. Today, we're going to talk about the exclusive relationship. Well, today's Valentine's Day, as we talked about earlier. And it's the day that someone in some, either a florist company or a card company, not sure, created this holiday to sell stuff, right? (laughs) To be totally uh, skeptical about it. But it is an opportunity to show people that you love them, to tell them how much you mean to, they mean to you to buy flowers. It's a great opportunity. And and guys, if you're wondering what to get your loved one, your, the woman that you love for Valentine's Day, just make sure you cannot plug it in. That's all you really need to do. Uh, no blenders, no vacuums, none of that stuff. It needs to be something beautiful like she is, right? I remember as a kid having Valentine's Day, how many had to do the thing where you had to buy a Valentine for everyone in your class in the second or third grade, right? Even... The guys that you like to beat up in the hallway and play football against. You had to give, hey man, would you be my Valentine? I don't know, it just felt a little weird, but uh, you couldn't leave people out, you know. Here, Griselda, here you go, be my Valentine. Um, That's my best Mike Collar imitation. Is that good? Thank you, all right. Um, No, it wasn't. 
But Valentine's Day, it grows on you. Eventually, you decide, I really need to find someone who's going to be my exclusive Valentine, right? You're going to find someone that you want to marry, hopefully, at some point. And it gets kind of serious. And you just had a wedding a couple days ago, didn't you, Debbie and Mike? You guys look great, incidentally. Good to see you. Um, but you, 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 you get someone, you want them to be your exclusive Valentine. I remember when Julie and I were dating, we had some people that we needed to help us with that. We had some good friends that had tons of experience in marriage. They've been married, I think, nine months or a year. And we, they came alongside of us. They thought, we thought they were so far ahead of us and they could help us, and they did. But you know, as we got married, our, our, our influencers kind of changed. You know, we kind of, some people drifted further apart, and we actually were intentional about finding mentors that could help us in our relationship. People that could really speak into the depth of our relationship, to our issues, to our strengths. I'm so grateful for them. That God provided mentors to say, you know what? I don't think this is good. Or people that Julie could call or that I could call to say, you know what? Is this right? Is she doing right? Am I doing? Help me understand this. It's so important that we have people that can come alongside us. But Don't raise your hand, but have you ever chosen the wrong person? I mean, you chose the wrong mentor. You, not the wrong value. You chose the wrong, and, you, and you, this, somebody spoke into your life, and you go, man, I need them to shut up. In Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, I love it. and It's a great business and relationship book. And uh, Henry says that there's three kinds of people. There's the wise, the foolish, and the evil. Now, the wise person is someone you tell them something, Honey, please don't leave your underwear on the floor. And they learn, right? They don't, they don't do that anymore. Uh, honey, I need this. And it changes. They're wise. They, they listen. They, they just need to be told once or twice. And, and they get it. They, they're wise. They respond. And then there's the foolish. And these are the people that you have to tell over and over again. And if it's an employee, you have to give them constant direction, constant guidelines, constant deadlines, constant boundaries, and consequences. The foolish people have to be managed. They can be useful, but you just have to understand they're foolish. And a lot of us are wise in some areas and foolish in some areas, right? We have some strengths. We have some weaknesses. But then he says there's the evil. This is the person that wants to hurt you. They maybe even enjoyed it. And they just kind of come in in your life and they wreak havoc. He says, you've got to eliminate them. You're going to have to prevent them. You're going to have to quit giving them access to your house. The place where that God is building in you and that you are where you are being the house, you're being the temple of God, you've got to quit giving them access or they're going to continue to wreak havoc in your house. You're going to have to say no to some people who seem really nice and want to help, but they're a problem. This is what's happening in Ezra chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. There are people that are coming alongside of God's people saying, hey, we want to help, but they're not really helpful. 
Remember where we are, the God has created this incredible nation of Israel out of the seed of Abraham. They've become a great people. They wound up in, they wound up in, in slavery in Egypt. God rescued them from that, brought them through the wilderness, brought them to the land. David built this incredible kingdom. And then after David and Solomon, things kind of went downhill and degenerated until ultimately they got hauled off into exile in two phases around 722 B.C. Children of the northern kingdom was hauled off by the Assyrians and around uh, five. 80 or so, the southern kingdom of Judah and Benjamin are taken over by the Babylonians, and they're moved out of the area. But God is faithful. I love the fact that they got themselves in trouble, but what does God do? It says God moved in the heart of his people and in the heart of a pagan leader to bring them back to rebuild the house and rebuild the city. Has God been faithful to you in that way? Oh, I'm so grateful. He has that long, crooked stick that he pulls us back with. You know, he's my shepherd. Lord, your rod and your staff, the staff is the thing that he pulls you back with. I'm so grateful for that. He pulled his people back and put him in position to rebuild his house. But there were some people that showed up, said they wanted to help. Reading from Ezra chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says this. Now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building the temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, let me pause there, notice the fourth word, adversaries, adversaries, enemies, people who are against what God wants to do through his people, verse 2, they approached Zerubbabel, who was the political leader, and the heads of fathers' houses and said to them, hey, paraphrasing, Hey, let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Sounds like a great opportunity, doesn't it? Hey, we see what you're doing. We're just like you. Let's all work together. We want to help you build. We want to get involved in your life. We want to get in on the inside of this. Sounds really nice, doesn't it? But there's a lot of problems in these two verses. There's a lot of problems that we need to recognize in people's lives that may say they want to help. And we need to recognize some some things here that will help protect us from those who want to hurt us. It starts right there with that fourth fourth word, adversaries. These people are enemies. Now, who were the people? It says in 2 Kings, verses 17, uh, 2 Kings 17, verses 24 through 34, it outlines who these people were. Who are the people living around them? See, what happened was northern kingdom got hauled off, southern kingdom got hauled off, and Assyria and Babylon both repopulated the area with people from around the world. So you have people living in the land of Israel that are really from all over the known world, the conquered peoples that Assyria had conquered, that Babylon had conquered, all kinds of people with all kinds of worship practices were put in the land that God had reserved for his people. And it's, it's interesting if you read about 24 through 28 right in there, it talks about the fact that when they got in the land, they didn't know the God of the land, and God sent lions to eat them. Seriously, read it. Great story. 
You don't know the people of God. You don't know the God of the, of the land. God sent these lions, and these people are getting attacked by lions, and they call out to the king of Assyria, hey, we're getting destroyed over here. These lions are everywhere. Do something. And so he sent them a priest. Really interesting. One of the priests that they hauled off into captivity sent them back to the people, especially the northern kingdom, and said, hey, let me teach you about the God of this land. And so the people learned about the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they started to sacrifice to him and have some form of worship with him. But that's not all they did. They had other gods as well. And it says in verses 29 through 33, you see it here, there's, there's listing of some peoples and the gods that they worshipped. And these were the gods of fertility. One god was represented by a dog, another by a donkey. And then there's this one in verse 31, the Sephirvites. It says they burned their children in the fire to Adramalek and Amalek. Think about that. Yeah, we, we worship your God, but oh, by the way, we sacrifice our children. These are adversaries. These are adversaries of the people of God. These are people who don't walk as God's people. And so there's some things here we need to see. How do I know who I need to listen to? There needs to be some kind of a template as to who can I listen to? Who can I trust? Who can I invite into my life to speak to me? about the most important things, the things of my marital relationships, the things of my relationship with my God. Who am I listening to? And the first thing you need to realize, don't follow people who are adversaries. Are they followers of Jesus or are they adversaries of the cross? It's amazing who people will listen to. Let me just tell you, I think Oprah's a nice person. She's not a follower of Jesus. People listen to people all the time and claim, this is what someone said. Listen, in your heart of hearts, how you live your life, it needs to be people who are followers of Jesus, not adversaries of the cross. So many times in counseling, we will refer someone and say, listen, I would recommend that you go see this Christian counselor to take the next step with your marriage or take the next step in your career, take the next step in your relationship, but there's some issues I think you need some help with. Almost every time someone will say, well, my insurance doesn't cover that. Listen, you cannot afford to trust your spiritual life to an enemy of the cross. You just can't. When it comes to someone who's going to advise you spiritually, it's worth every penny to go see someone who's a follower of Jesus. And they're out there. It is worth every penny. People who have access to your heart of hearts, to your spirit, to your most important relations need to be followers of Jesus. The first question when you consider who gets to, who gets to have impact on me, are they a follower or are they an adversary? Secondly, are they exclusivist or are they syncretist? Syncretists are people who say, I'm going to take some belief over here, I'm going to take some belief over there, take some belief over here. Oh yeah, and also we worship Jesus, but we also sacrifice our children. See, that's a syncretist. That's someone who is trying to build their own religion. <sighs> Exodus 20, 10 commandments. What are the first commandments? 
You should have no other God before me. And the second one, you should not make up a God. You should not create a God. You should not build a God. I am the only God. Be an exclusivist. He is the only way. People say, I like to put that coexist bumper sticker on my car. Listen, you're not a follower of Jesus if you think there's other ways. There's only one way. There's only one way. What did Jesus say? I am one of the ways. I'm part of the truth. That's not what he said, did he? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, Steve, that sounds really kind of, kind of prideful and unloving. You mean all these other people are wrong, and only the Bible is right. Amen. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I think it would be unloving to say anything else. To say that, hey, don't worry about it. Whatever way you want to get there, you can. that's the most unloving thing you can say to someone. It's like saying that road you're, you're headed down is, is not leaded, headed toward destruction. It's going to be fine, even though you know good and well it's headed for destruction. People that have influence on your life, they need to be exclusivists. Jesus Christ is the only way. He's the only life. He's the only truth. And I say that lovingly. Because I love you, I want you to know that. Third, are the people who have access to your heart and soul, are they being transformed by God's word, or are they being conformed to the world? Are they being transformed by what God's word says, or are they constantly going to God's word and saying, you know, I don't like this part over here. I don't think, I think I make up my own truth. I don't like this part about human sexuality. I don't like the part about sex only belongs in marriage. So I'm going I'm to take that out. Big warning sign right there because they're saying, God, what you said in your word is not true. See, our goal as followers of Jesus, as people of the word, is to say, God, transform me to be like you. You are God and I am not. I'm responding to you. Your word is my standard. That's why we teach the word. That's why we preach the word. That's why we constantly talk about God's word. That's what it's all about. We want to be transformed by his word, not conformed to his word, not conformed to the world, excuse me. Fourth, do they have a track record? Do they have a track record? I love in this story how they come to say, hey, let us help you. You know, we've been worshiping just like you've been worshiping, and it really means a lot to us to build this house. But what have you done for the last 50 years? They were resettled in the land over the last 50 years. They've been living in the same place where God's temple was stood in ruins, where the altar was in ruins, and they claimed to worship this God, but they did nothing. They didn't lift a single finger to rebuild the house. Reestablish worship. There's no track record. There's no sense of value in worshiping God and God alone. When you think about who has access to your spirit, who has access to your relationship with the Lord, who has access to your most, your most intimate relationships, it needs to be people who have a track record of having influence. That, that, that the worship of Jesus Christ matters they built their life around that. That people have been helped. People have been discipled. That there's a wake of godliness in their past. It's so funny when you meet someone out and 
And uh, you say, you know what, I, they say, oh, what do you do? Well, I'm, I'm a pastor of the First Baptist Church Beach. Oh, yeah, I go to this church over here. Oh, great, well, tell me, oh, who's the pastor over there? And they look at you and they go, uh, let me tell you, if you don't know the pastor's name, I'm not really sure you're being impacted by the church. Not that a man is that important, but there should be a sense of, yeah, I, I actually go. I'm actually involved. I actually have a role. I'm actually doing something. God is actually raising me up in order to help people. I'm so grateful for uh, some of you online that are not able to come to worship, but you're still reaching out to people. Like a lot of our widows are connected and they're, they're encouraging one another on the phone. They're, meet, they're, they're helping each other get to Aldi or wherever. Um, let me ask you, do you have a track record under the people that you allow into your innermost thoughts? Do they have a track record? The children of Israel are saying, wait a minute, I don't think you all have a track record. I don't think you have a leg to stand on and say you want to help. What have you been doing for the last 50 years? So in verse 3, they say this. Then Zerubbabel, Yeshua, and the rest of the heads of the father's houses in Israel said to them, you have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God. But we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. In other words, the answer is no. We're not going to let you come and help you build this house because this is a house to the exclusive God, the one God. It's got to be built a certain way. It's got to be built by people who will conform to the word of God. Not just any old way. Not just a way where we're going to take some other gods and put their stuff in. No, it's, it's about our God. And you have nothing to do with this. It's hard to do that, isn't it? It's hard to say to people, you know what, I'm not going to have that discussion with you because you're on a different planet than me spiritually. I can't let you get close to me because you're, we're really not in the same universe. And you know, you can always tell, you can always tell some, about, a lot about someone's true motives when you turn them down. So they tell them no, and then in verse 4, look what it says. It says, Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. For decades they did this. Decades. See, if they really wanted to build the house, they would have said, Oh, you don't need us? Fine. Hey, listen, we're just going to cheer from you from a distance. You can always tell if someone really loves you, they really want the best for you, they're going to cheer for you from a distance when you say, listen, we can't hang out. You know, uh, They didn't really want that. And we'll see next week how they became outward opponents and tried to stop them and did stop them for quite some time. It tells you you made the right decision when you said no. Never underestimate the desire of opponents of Christ to stop his people from being the house. People so want you not to be the place where people can connect with Jesus. And there will be opponents, and there'll be more and more opponents. And it shouldn't scare us. It shouldn't get us down. It should just say Jesus is absolutely real. He's absolutely doing something amazing in this church and in my life that I would have opponents. There's always going to be opponents. It kind of should be encouraging. We have to ruthlessly guard our lives from those who are adversaries of God. Ruthlessly. If there's someone in your life right now 
who you know is causing you to fall back in your relationship with God. You need to eliminate that. Some of you who constantly is discouraging you, telling you, you can't do that. You shouldn't be involved in that. You shouldn't be going to church. You shouldn't be taking a position of leadership. You're not worth, you need to, just, you need to get rid of that. You need to wall that off in your life. See, they just said, no, you can't be a part of this. You may say, well, Steve, that person is connected to me. They're, they're, a, they're a, a father, a son, a, a, even a spouse maybe, or a, or a divorced spouse, and you're like, I don't know how to... Listen, you can't give them access to your heart. You can't give them access to your spirit. You can't allow them to make you feel any kind of way toward God because they're not followers of His. And you may have to say some things that may seem hurtful, but just, listen, I can't have that conversation with you. Do whatever you must to protect the house of God that's in your life. But some of you may say, you know what, I, I, a lot of you kind of raise your hand. Just, yeah, I've had someone like that in my life. I've had someone like that in my life. I've been able to get rid of that or I've moved on from that. And how do I heal? How do I quit letting that dominate my life? Let me just give you three simple things that you can do. The first thing you need to do is conform to the Word. Let the Word transform you. So, Steve, how do I do that? Because, you know, I, I read the Word. Listen, you need, to, you need to absolutely consume God's Word. Read big chunks of it. Read the Psalms constantly. And I, if you've been hurt, the Psalms are so helpful because what does it say over and over and again? God, you're my refuge. You're my rock. You're at my right hand. You're my sword. You're, you defeat my enemies. You protect me. God, you're the one I run to. That's the heart we need to have. Immerse yourself in God's Word. Read the Gospels. Read God's Word. Listen, listen to great preaching. So when you go home, find some somewhere. Um, <laughs> There is, honestly, there's so much out there that you can hear. So many, if you need some recommendations, I can give you some seriously. I, I listen to several a week. Um, conform your life to God's word. Second, lean into those who God has stirred to build. Lean into those who are also building the house and being the house. You need to lean into those you can count on. Spend time with them. Ask them to speak into your life. You need that kind of, that's what the church is all about. We're not meant to do this by ourselves. You need people who will say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but I know what it's like to follow Jesus, and I just want to encourage you today. There's so many people in our church like that. They reach out when I see them. Hey, pastor, I just want you to know I appreciate you, encouraged by you. I hope you're doing that for each other, especially in these days. You know, hey, I just want you to know, great to see you. You're a blessing. Um, and that you can actually have a conversation with, you know, I'm hurting over this. Can you help me? Am I thinking right? to lean into those relationships. And third, you need to keep building. Keep building the house that God wants you to be. Don't ever get discouraged and say, you know what? This person got me off track. I don't know what to do now. You just keep building. You just keep building. The children of Israel will get discouraged and they'll stop building for a time, but then they'll get fired up again and they'll start building again the house of God. See, God wants you to, don't, don't be discouraged, don't stop. You may have to kind of start over and feel, where was I now? I got to remember, where are those bricks and how do I put them in place? Listen, 
Our God is a great and holy and awesome and forgiving and restorative God. He wants you to continue to build and to be his house. So today, are are you in an exclusive relationship with Jesus? Are you in an exclusive relationship with Jesus? Or are there some others who have crept in? Are there some people that you need to deal with? Or maybe there is some influences in your social media feed that you need to cut off. Maybe there are some commentators you're listening to that are causing you to be troubled and and get further from Jesus. Let me ask you, is Jesus and his word, is Jesus the most important relationship that you have? Are you conforming your life to Jesus above all else, above all political views, about all social views? Is Jesus the most important? Because if he's not, I'm telling you, you're going to have a hard time being in the house. And you're constantly going to be thrown off and knocked off balance about issues and about different... Listen, it's all about Jesus Christ and how can I help people connect with him? How can I be the house You see, your relationship with Jesus is so important because the lives of those around you are dependent on it. So, Steve, I thought you said stay away from those evil people around. Listen, you don't want to let them have influence on you, but you want to still have influence on them. There's a big difference between having someone over to your house and helping them and having them help you build your house. There's a big, big difference between saying, hey, listen, I just want to have a conversation with you Big difference between that and saying, hey, listen, would you advise me on how I should be spiritually? Big difference. I want to be the place that people can connect with Jesus. In order to do that, I'm going to have to have an exclusive relationship with him. I'm going to have to have people feeding into my life who are also doing the same thing. I'm going to have to be conformed to his word, transformed by his word. I'm going to have to keep building the house. What about you? Does something come to mind that you need to cut out? Something you need to wall off? Is there someone you need to embrace, not physically, but spiritually, and say, listen, I need some input in my life. I need someone to help me be and build a house. That's what we're all about. And I hope that today, as you step away from worship, you're examining your influences. Who's influencing you to be the house? Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.